If you're like me, watching little kids do an Easter egg hunt is a pretty beautiful thing. But I always feel bad for the littlest of the pack. It always seems so traumatizing to see that little one run for an egg she has her eye on, only to have a bigger kid sweep in and steal it at the last second. Hi, it's Doug Hastings with Moody Radio. And unfortunately, this same kind of situation has become a traumatizing reality for families all across the country. Families are out searching and finding their dream home, only to have it pulled away by another hunter at the last second. Which is why I'd really like you to meet my friends at United Faith Mortgage. Unfortunately, this faith-focused mortgage team can't scare off the other hunters, but they can very quickly get you pre-approved and make it look as good as possible to sellers. They've specifically made a commitment to this podcast and our listeners to do all they can to help you. You can find the entire United Faith Mortgage story and especially read how their direct lender advantage can often save your family monthly and lifelong money at unitedfaithmortgage.com. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. Hey, we're back. We're still having a little bit of a fan geek experience of, well, last week's show, to be perfectly honest, Michael W. Smith. You know, we're friends are friends forever. And so, Bree, my guest today, we're going to be friends are friends forever, right? <laughs> Packing up the dreams God planted. Sorry, we had Michael W. Smith on last week, as you can probably tell. Sure. And we were pretty excited about that, uh, trying to find our place in this world. We'll talk about, you know, you see all the references. You may be too young to get the no, Michael. No, I grew up on him. Okay, did you? Okay, yeah. good. Okay, good. Because the references are important to my life. I was finding my place in this world. We're going to talk about how you <laughs> found your place in this world, helping others. Anyway, this is Ed Stetzer Live. I'm Ed Stetzer. I lead the... Wheaton College Billy Graham Center. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Outreach Magazine and uh, excited to be your host here on this Moody Radio show. We're, of course, on Moody Radio uh, stations, partners, and affiliates, uh, all different kinds of networks, right? We go from K-Wave in uh, Los Angeles. Thanks so much for our partners there. Had the privilege of training their staff just this week. So K-Wave, Southern Cal, love you. Faith Radio Network in Minneapolis, all over the place. And, of course, we're happy to be connected through our Moody Network radios, partners, and affiliates. So, um, let me introduce our guest today, and we're going to have, I think, a super conversation. So, so Bree and I have been friends for, I don't even know, what we know, 10, 10 years maybe. Oh, it's been a while. And so it's, it's Bree Stensrud, and Bree, Bree is, um, she used to work at Focus on the Family. That's how we got to know each other, at Focus on the Family. You're a Dallas Seminary grad. Yes. Your master's degree from Dallas. Very impressive. You I... know, these, well, you know, it's good. It's good. It's good. I mean, it's not Wheaton, oh, where stop. I serve, but it's, but it's good. Well, maybe but, Wheaton in the future. That's true. Who knows? Who knows? You get a doctoral degree we're going to be launching soon. <laughs> Actually, one of the weird things about Wheaton is the trustees at Wheaton are often the faculty at other schools. So Daryl Bach yes, is, is at Wheaton right now at a, at a trustee retreat. So we actually have faculty from other schools who are trustees at our school. And it's a, it's a weird tradition that Wheaton has. <laughs> anyway, so, so we're going to talk today. Um, you're a human dignity advocate. We're going to describe that. You're the director of Women of Welcome. And your passion is to equip the church to engage more consistently in human dignity issues, right? And develop a heart for the sojourner. Again, I mentioned you hold a master's in biblical and theological studies from Dallas Seminary, lives in Colorado Springs, 
with her husband and two kids. We were just talking about your family before we came on air, which is super. Okay, so tell us a little bit about your personal story. And by the way, we are going to get to calls, folks, just to let you know. Going to give you, but we're going to get to our topic first. We got to get a little background first, but we'll get we'll invite you in just a minute to give us a call in. But tell us a little about your personal story. How did you become interested in human dignity issues? What are they? And how'd you become interested in them? Sure. I grew up in the church. I'm, I'm a pastor's kid. My dad is an evangelical free church pastor, so I spent most of my life in the Midwest, just a very, you know, conservative, evangelical background. And uh, I ended up going to Dallas Theological Seminary, and I worked at Focus on the Family. I was the director over their church engagement development um, department, and then I was asked to... Um, enter into the Sanctity of Human Life space and direct the Sanctity of Human Life initiatives over at Focus on the Family. And so I really kind of entered into this kind of human dignity space from my really traditional pro-life views and ethic. And that was, I really was involved in kind of the pre-born space of being a pro-life evangelical. And then um, I really kind of moved from this very niche and narrow kind of what I would describe as a Webster dictionary definition of what it meant to be pro-life to more of a holistic and expanded uh, definition of what it means to be pro-life. And, and that's where you really get into a lot of the human dignity issues that expand beyond the pre-born conversation. Okay. So, all right. So we both deeply care about the unborn. That's a key thing. Yes. Um, and I think one of the great tragedies of our day, I think a hundred years from now, mm-hmm. people are going to look back to this era and be shocked and stunned at how we treat Let's hope so. the unborn. And I think, you know, I mean, the sonogram has changed so much of the conversation as well. The United mm-hmm. States abortion laws are, uh, this Washington post fact check fact what i'm about to say here we're in a group of seven countries uh who have such extreme abortion right. laws you know north korea china uh, right. u.s canada some of the best so, right yeah exactly <laughs> so that's the group you want to be in right. so so um so and i'm also one who because i believe in the imago day where mm-hmm. men and women are made in the image of god worthy of dignity and respect and that includes the unborn that includes people i disagree with that includes people who make choices i don't like mm-hmm. uh it includes immigrants and refugees it includes people of color it includes mm-hmm. anglos it includes every everyone's made in the image of god mm-hmm. one of the unique gifts that christianity has given the world mm-hmm. is the idea that people are made in the image of god worthy of dignity and respect life matters mm-hmm. so you have you're at focus on the family mm-hmm. uh, church engagement focus we know engaged in pro-life causes or more and and now you're working with women of welcome mm-hmm. now let's talk a little bit about what women of welcome is and how that fits kind of theologically yeah. with that passion what's women of welcome so women of welcome is a collaborative project between World Relief, who I'm sure most of your listeners are aware of who World Relief is. They're the official humanitarian arm of the National Association of Evangelicals. So they partnered up with um, the National Immigration Forum, which is a nonpartisan advocacy group out of Washington, D.C. So these two groups got together and they actually commissioned a study back in 2016 with Scott at Lifeway Research. Yep, yep. I used and, to, for those of you who don't know, I used to run Lifeway Research. Yes. Scott was my successor. When you just casually say oh, Scott, they don't know who <laughs> Scott know, McConnell Scott. is. Oh, Scott. You know. So Lifeway Research is uh, the research arm of the Southern Baptist Convention. I used yes. to run Lifeway Research. Yeah. Yes. So back in 2016, there was just a, a lot of, um, it was kind of the height of fearful rhetoric and um, heightened rhetoric around immigrants and refugees in the country. And so these two groups got together and said, okay, let's just assess how how bad is it? You know, the, is the rhetoric really reaching the culture? Is it really penetrating the church? What's going on? It seems like there's an attitude shift towards immigrants and refugees in this country. And so they commissioned Lifeway to do this study. And the study came back and kind of 
confirmed what they feared. Yeah. And that was is that uh, pastors weren't preaching on the subject matter of immigrants and refugees. Um, white evangelical males were very uh, partisan in their politics towards it. They were coming at the issue from a political um, point of view. Um, but what they found what was so interesting to them was there was a pocket of evangelical women, um, mostly that were kind of, you know, married to or in family relations with uh, these other evangelicals, and they were in these churches where pastors weren't preaching on it, and they had a deep compassion for the issue um, for immigrants and refugees. And so no one was talking to them, you know, upon further reflection, no one was talking to these women. And so we said, all right, so most pastors aren't preaching about it. Um, men, to, men seem to be coming at this from a political perspective, and women are feeling compassion, but no one's talking to them about it. What if we just test and see if these women are out here. Let's see if they really do exist. And so World Relief created a Bible study, threw it out there. It's about Ruth and Naomi. Yeah, and well, is- World Relief, just so people know, is uh, it's actually a ministry of the National Association of yep. Evangelicals. I serve in the executive team there at National Association of Evangelicals. World Relief is kind of the ministry arm, and one thing it's engaged with is immigrants and refugee work. Right. Not not the only thing, right. but, but one of the things. Yeah. Big thing, yep. 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 So put out a Bible study, just see, are these women here? And the study... It's downloaded over 120,000 wow, times. Wow! So it's a free study that we have. It's our, it's our kind of our most downloaded study right now. So there were women out there who are wanting to engage from a biblical perspective, and we know from research, um, even recent research, that only 12 percent of evangelicals are entering into this conversation from a biblical perspective. They're they're coming at it from a partisan political yeah. viewpoint, and that's troubling as Christians that we are not uh, looking at these issues. As, yeah. All right, so let's frame it a little bit because I'm of the view. And you may not be of this view, but I'm of the view that people can have different opinions about levels of immigration. I'm, oh, a, sure. I'm a signer of the Evangelical Immigration Table, which I, you know, it, which is pretty robust legal approach. You know, people can find it online. Yeah. Um, and matter of fact, I'll ask Karen to add it to the show notes. Just Google Evangelical Immigration Table and put it in there, Karen. Um, okay, so so people can differ on that. People can differ on how best to control. You know, yeah. I, I don't know anybody who's an open borders person, but I hear that thrown around. There. I don't know anybody who thinks that. That an open, unrestricted immigration is a good thing. Right. But I don't get to vote on those things. Like, I'm not in the Senate. I'm not in the House. Yeah. Uh, I, may, may, maybe one day. Probably <laughs> not. It would be horrible for everybody. Um, <laughs> so here's what I know. So Romans 13 is a thing, right? Romans 13 sure. is a, it's a biblical pro- prohibition uh, against breaking laws, et cetera, et cetera. And on the, I'm on the other side of Romans 13. So for me, you know, I remember when I was at Moody Church. This was 2015, I think. They asked me to preach at their missions conference. And they asked me to preach on welcoming refugees, particularly they were engaging Syrian refugees, mm-hmm. which then became a huge controversy. Mm-hmm. But what, what Pastor Lutzer said and what Moody Church said is that, you know, we're, we're, we're not making a political statement here. No. We're caring for people in Jesus' name who yeah. are here. And in this case, it was refugees. Refugees sure. go through a very robust legal yeah. process, a very safe legal process. Um, and during the ministry of Matthew 25 and Matthew 28. Exactly. And yeah. so, and even with immigration, you know, it's like, okay, how did people get here? Well, at the end of the day, my job is not to say, how did you get here? My job is to say, how can I serve you in Jesus name? And that might involve reaching you, serving you, helping you. So, but somehow this became more politicized. Mm -hmm. And I, and again, I'm actually not mad at people for, because I I think there's a political reality. People are debating immigration. Every human dignity has some sort of political. Uh, It always does have political reality, but as a follower of Jesus, I've got a Christian responsibility. So there's a political reality. That's one thing, and I can even speak up into that. Mm-hmm. I still got a Christian responsibility, so I can think. I, here, I mean, this could be it could be wrong. I I think you could say I don't want any immigrants in the country ever, and care for in the name of Jesus every person that's there 
anyway. You've got to – now, again, I think your Christian belief would shape your views of immigration. You would hope. You would hope. You would hope. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is that every Christian should hear this and say, how do I care for those who are here and near? And, of course, those who are far. But how do I care for them? Am I nuts on that? Is that No, a, I mean, Tim Keller had a great Twitter thread about this um, a couple months back. And he was just saying, you know, the Bible tells us to care for the poor. But it doesn't prescribe – how we are to do that. Right. So there's freedom of conscience there. And so if you have freedom of if you have freedom of conscience in how to do that, that is really between you and the Holy Spirit. But each of us um, has a responsibility. It's not just a suggestion in scripture that we are to care for vulnerable people or for immigrants and refugees. It's actually a command. And we see that in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And Women of Welcome is a community of over 150,000 women who are engaging on this issue from a biblical perspective. And we're diving into the whole of scripture to to enter into Christ-like welcome. Um, and what does that look like when you Christ-like welcome? Because, yeah. I, mean, I mean, I love Christ-like welcome in an authentic way. So what, if somebody says, someone says, Brie, I want to do that, what does that look like? And, of course, let me mention, too, all the stuff, will, Women of Welcome, all that's at edstetzerlive.com. So people can find the links there sure. uh, at edstetzerlive.com. But how does it look like, what does it look like practically on the ground? Yeah, the number one question we get at Women of Welcome is, is what can I do? Yeah. And what I would say is, is that at Women of Welcome, we have no political agenda. Um, We are a group of Christian women who are coming from a variety of evangelical backgrounds that are engaging the whole of scripture to understand what is God's heart for the immigrant and the refugee. And then how should we respond? So for us, there is no convincing of that this is a needed thing to be happening within the church. This is something that we are commanded to do. And we have confidence because of scripture that we are to enter into this. And so when people say, what can I do? Our community is about discipling women into understanding what can they really do? And there's, there's a vast uh, list of what you can do. Some of that is, is prayer. And some, some women feel like that's really all that they have the capacity to do is to pray. Um, And then there's other women who are like, I, I I can do ESL classes. I can, I can pick up people from the airport um, who are coming in from, um, of flight refugees who are coming into the country. I can use my voice to call my elected official and say, hey, I'm concerned about the treatment of children who are being held in detention facilities, which is a huge issue right now. There's women who are saying, can you take me to the border so that I can have a trusted experience Mm -hmm. uh, getting up close and personal? A lot of women will say, what can I do when they hear something pretty awful in the news? And most of the time that is prayer and you need to use your voice to contact your elected official, which there's discipleship in figuring out how to contact your elected official as well, it comes to find out. Because a lot of conservative Christians have felt it's been their civic duty just to vote straight ticket Republican every four years. Um, But it's the in-between years that really matter. The advocacy, I was talking with Eugene Cho about this with his book, Thou Shall Not Be a Jerk. And he was just talking about the in-between years matter. So we're discipling women into those in-between years of entering into this space well. Okay, we're having a conversation here about uh, Women of Welcome. We're here with uh, Bree Sindrud, and we're going to take your calls. Let me open up the phone lines. It's 877-548-3675. Again, it's 877-548-3675. You're listening to Ed Sessor Live. We're talking about direct Women of Welcome and Refugees and Immigrants. Hey, we're back. It's Stetzer Live. Uh, Brie, I didn't tell you that, you know, I've been at Disneyland this week, so I'm feeling very, you know, tired and sore. So if my Not magical? Not magical. <laughs> you know, they, they walk so much. Yes. So much. And my, my 16-year-old daughter has just worn me out. But we have, we have been, uh, the point is, is that if I sound 
tired to the listeners, there's a reason. So thankfully, Bree is filled with energy. She's got some sort of coffee there. <laughs> I do. And she's carrying the show today. She's carrying the show today. So <laughs> so we are talking about immigrants, refugees, and uh, women of welcome, and really how ministry can, can and should be part of how we engage uh, and welcome people into our context. Our, our, our phone number is, is here, 877-548-3675. Again, that's 877-548-3675. Okay, so, I mean, I'm guessing that, like, almost all of our listeners would be like you and me, very pro-life, very concerned about the unborn. Yes. Uh, you were an advocate here and have been an advocate, remain an advocate, but you focus on the family and elsewhere. But, um, you know, how is immigration related to this? How are these things connected? Tell me about that. Sure. So I think a lot of people, when they hear where I started and where a lot of my experience is, and then here I am right now, they'll say, oh my goodness, you must have deconstructed. You must have become a liberal in some way. You're, you're definitely a progressive. You're talking about immigration. And what I would say is, is that I, there's no such thing that has happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what I would say is that my heart has deepened and my scriptural understanding has really expanded when it comes to the Imago Day mm-hmm. and the fact that in Genesis 1, 27, 28, that everyone is made in the image of God. And the same things that anchor me in the preborn space anchor me in these other human dignity issues. And once you get into these human dignity issues, you start to realize that there's so much interconnectedness between all of them that it's hard to... Um, walk away from that. And so when I look at what it means to be pro-life, I, I kind of see that there's this more this traditional pro-life space. And those are people who are really kind of in that pre-born space that are working to fight against abortion. And then you have more of a kind of holistic pro-life definition, which just, which just says that the, the image of God is made in every human human being and therefore the dignity and sanctity of every human life matters. And I think you're very hard pressed in scripture to find an elevation of one vulnerable population over the other. Um, Nicholas Walterstorff, he is a, you know, a philosopher, a theologian. I think he's a pastor emeritus of theology over at Yale, but he talks about the quartet of the vulnerable in the Old Testament, and that is the orphan, the widow, the poor, and the sojourner. And so you see an elevation in the Old Testament of these four vulnerable populations, and then, of course, that's carried into the New Testament, too. So if, if there is an elevation of vulnerable populations, there is there to be seen in the Old Testament. Then, but then you get to the New Testament, and Jesus says, you know, you're to love God, and then you're to love other people. You're to love your neighbor, and he gives the story of the Samaritan who's crossing, you know, on the road, and uh, you, so you, everyone's familiar with that story. And so the Lord just kind of levels the playing field and says, you're to love God and love other people. And we're all in the others category. So then when you start to think, okay, so it's not just about preborn lives. And when we're talking about heartbeat builds and we're talking about all of these other things, it's like, what about the heartbeat of fill in the blank? Right. Sure. That, that person is uniquely vulnerable in some way too. And so therefore the things that anchor me in the preborn space also anchor me in some of these other human in all of these other human dignity spaces. And there's a role for the church in all of these places. And not everyone's called to the same role. And my passion doesn't have to be your passion. Um, but if we're functioning as the body should, we should all be aware and we should all be just singing this off the same song sheet when it comes to the Imago Dei in every human yeah, being. Yeah, Imago Dei, again, the image of God. We're just using fancy Latin. Sorry. But, you no, know, it's all good. It's all good. But the image of God, and this is really key. This is why Christians 
um, value life so much. Now, again, I'm not saying Christians are the only people who value life so much, but, but I am saying that historically it was actually Christians. I mean, even for the very beginning where in the Roman empire, they would throw away deformed children or, or, you know, and the Christians would go where they would throw them away and take them and raise them Mm -hmm. and more. And I think that's such an important thing. Now, um, World Refugee Sunday is, it's kind of interesting. It was allegedly last Sunday. However, <laughs> however, because like uh, the Refugee Highway folks who I have the privilege of working with, they actually, it says World Refugee Sunday will be held on two consecutive Sundays. So June 20th and 27th is as well. So actually you're coming up tomorrow is also another, so in some context, people will be focusing on World Refugee sure. Sunday. Now, again, one of the things people are not always aware of is the difference between refugees and immigrants. Mm-hmm. Refugees, for those you don't know, go through a very, um, very special specific and intense process, remarkably safe, remarkably screened process as well. Got politicized in the last few years, but it's a remarkably safe process that Americans have embraced for so long. And they're designated by the UN or the U.S. as right. a vulnerable population right. as opposed from immigrants who are just immigrating here for other could, could be economic yes. reasons. Could be, you know, a lot of the immigration that's coming through the, from the Golden Triangle in Central America. No, Northern is, Triangle. Northern Triangle, sorry. Yeah, you got it. Is, is, is from, uh, is, is over safety issues. It's just, yeah. you know, and so, but but the refugee, so this is one of the things I love. When, when I was at Moody Church, I was the interim there for, for almost four years, is, um, you know, it got political. People, like everyone was upset. And Moody said, you know what, we've been, adopting refugees and serving refugees for decades. This is not, we're going to get distracted from what God's called us to do. And so I think that's a key thing is that we have John 20, 21, Jesus says, as the father has sent me, so send I you. So we're going to go on mission to immigrants and refugees and make that part of the priority of who we are. Uh, let me remind people that they can call, join our conversation. Uh, it, it's our phone number is 877-548-3675. Again, that's 877 Three six seven five. So, talk us about some maybe some stories. What does it look like? I mean, I've known you for a long time. Mm-hmm. You're um, you live in Colorado Springs. You you're um, you know you're you're living your life. You got two kids. You got a husband. Your husband's got you know his job. You got your job. Um, I don't think of you as someone. You're not living at the border. You're right. not you're not you know running a refugee camp. You're not, but you're maybe a normal person to a lot of people. I'm a very busy young mom. You're a very busy young mom. <laughs> and yet here you are, women of welcome. So talk to a lot of the other very busy young moms or others who and say how give us some stories of how people like you get involved in a cause like this. Well, for me, I was invited down to uh, bear witness to what was going on at the border. I was yeah. actually invited down into the heart of Mexico and that's really kind of what shifted a lot of things for me. Um, I was getting in close proximity and getting in closer proximity to people is probably the number one best thing that you can do to start to really care about certain issues. If you don't care about an issue, that's, that's a privilege that you have to not care about something that doesn't affect you personally. Um, and so getting in closer proximity, a lot of people will say, I don't, I'm not near the border. I can't do any, you know, what can I do? I live in Iowa. I live in Chicago. And, and I'll say, you know, there are immigrants and refugees in your community. And they say, well, I live in a pretty homogenous area. And well, you know what? It's a quick Google search to understand what are the services. I mean, I'm sure there's an ESL program that's nearby you in English learning class for immigrants and refugees. There's so much that you can do in your local community to provide welcome and show Christ-like welcome to immigrants and refugees. I'll give you a prime example is I was at my church. I, go, I attend a fairly large church in Colorado Springs. And during the meet and greet time, it was like, go and meet somebody. Well, I went over and I talked to this woman and her husband. They were from India. They'd been going to our church for three years. No one had ever, they'd not met anyone. 
I said, do you know, you've been here for three years. Oh, who, who are you connected with? And they said, we don't know anyone. Wow. And so immediately it was like my mission to make her feel welcome. I couldn't believe she'd been in our church for these three years and no one had talked to her, but her, her and her husband spoke very broken English. She'd come over for a job and, and one of those things. So it, those kinds of stories where you just start to notice, you start to like see people when you start to get closer to an issue. And again, like I said, you know, my passion doesn't have to be your passion. So you don't have to go all in on caring about immigrants or refugees as far as like, okay, now I need to pick up and go to the border. But you should understand where it fits in your in your ethic, yeah. in your worldview. And that is is that each and every person is made in the image of God. And and therefore we should see them as someone who is has Christ in them. They have the likeness of Christ in them. And therefore, if we start to look up and we pay attention to who might be vulnerable, who might be in the shadows of, of our everyday lives, then we start to, to see people and we start to care. So, I mean, women of welcome, we take women down to the border. We take women into Mexico. We talk with migrant families. Yeah, when you say to- women, you're talking about like you take people like you. Yes. I mean, okay. okay yes. Gotcha. So before COVID, Women right. of Welcome was commissioning trips down to the border right. and we would take you and you could meet with migrant families. You hear from Border Patrol, you mm-hmm. hear from local church leaders right. who are helping out. And um, we're about to start those trips back up. So this fall, we're going to be taking a couple of trips. And then in the spring, we're taking a couple of trips. And so you can get close in proximity that way if you want to know what's really going on with the dynamics at the border. But then there are also just issues in your own community. I'm sure that there are immigrants and refugees who are trying to settle in yeah. and they're trying to connect. And and this, I think, is part of the Great Commission. Is it, you know, we're supposed to go out and make disciples of all the world, and yet the world is at our doorstep. The world is coming into our communities, and and we're not choosing to see them because we're very busy doing all the things that matter for our kids and our family and all yeah. these things. But Jesus would have us look up, and He would have us notice people mm. who aren't like us um, in the midst of our busyness to stop. And I mean, He did that with the woman who was reaching for His cloak. I mean, He's in this crowd, this horde of people, and He feels one little tether. And he turns and he says, I'm going to choose to look at her. No one else wants to, but I'm going to look at her. Oh, I could listen to you talk all day, Bree. Uh, let's go to Rita in Hendersonville, North Carolina. Rita, you are live on the air. Go ahead. Good morning. I was very intrigued by the Bible study you were talking about, about Ruth, because I just finished the book of Ruth this morning, ironically. Yay. And I, I noticed something. Yes, I noticed something I hadn't noticed before, because I, I have studied the book extensively. And I noticed that in chapter one, in verse six, it says, when she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. But just that line, the Lord had come to the aid of his people, just really stuck out to me. And what a wonderful thing to be able to say to somebody who comes over to this country, to be able to show them, look, the Lord has come to the aid of who are his people. Because you were created in his image. And it was just such a beautiful thing. And I'm very interested in the Bible study that you offer. How can I get a hold of that? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, let's, we're going to go to break in just a second. So thank you, Rita, for your call. And we're going to give you information about that in just a second. Uh, let me mention, though, the, um, I loved the uh, – I was, I was actually in Nashville, which has the largest population of Kurds outside of historic Kurdistan. And one of you was late to pick up uh, a refugee family. And I came up and, and barely stilted yeah. English. I said to them, don't worry, help is on the way. 
and you could just hear that and it was just and and, it, and I just waited with them I said help is on the way because I could tell they were a refugee family sure. tell their Kurds. Uh, Rita we're going to have uh, your question Bree's going to address your question give you more information about the Bible study as well in just a second but I knew we were coming up on a break and it's going to take a little longer than that again we'll take your calls as well give us a call the, our number here is 877-543-3675 Okay, Rita, uh, before the break, asked a question. I knew we wouldn't have time to answer it, so I kind of jumped in there. So forgive me for jumping in there. Uh, but Rita, great question. So, I mean, I want to know more about the Bible study as well. Hey, this is Ed Stetzer. Listen to Ed Stetzer Live. Uh, we, our guest today is, uh, is, is at least women of welcome, women of welcome, a key area of ministry that really is dealing with the, uh, what you could say, the border crisis. Sure. I think there's still a crisis at the border yes. for sure. Um, and so talk to, tell us a little bit about uh, the Bible study, how that helps prepare people and understand what the biblical truths. Give us more about it. Sure. And, where, and Rita wants to know where to find it. Yeah. Well, first of all, I love how Rita picked that up. That was beautiful, Rita. Because, again, as you continue to see in Scripture, you know, this is one of the pushbacks that we get a lot um, and a lot of questions we get as far as like, well, we can't take everybody in the United States. Well, of course not. Right. We can't take everyone. Not everyone should be here. Yeah. So at Women of Welcome, just be reassured. We are not advocating for illegal immigration. We believe that we can have safe and secure borders, but that we can also have compassion and merciful treatment of those who are made in the image of God. So this is a both and conversation. So that being said, Rita, I love it because, you know, Jesus, when he's doing his sermon on the Mount, you know, the day has been long. People have been there for a couple of days. They're hungry. And the disciples come to him and they say, these people are hungry. Should we just send them home so they can go buy food somewhere? And Jesus says, no, you feed them. And they're like, well, Jesus, what are we supposed to feed them with? We, don't, we have nothing. And here they are sitting on the side of a hill with God himself and feeling like they have nothing to give and nothing to offer. And Jesus says, no, don't turn them away. You feed them. And so they bring what they have. And by the way, we are the wealthiest nation in the world. So we bring what we have and God multiplies it. And I, I just am a very big believer that when you, um, when you advocate for and you act out a holistic pro-life worldview, that that doesn't actually diminish resources. But what that does is it opens up the floodgates of blessing. The Bible actually talks about that so that when we think about life in a holistic way, God honors that. And so we bring what we have and we see what the Lord does. And that's what the church trusts the Lord to do. And so Rita, as you are saying, okay, uh, you would be fed, that you would be taken care of. And that is what our call is to do. So these Bible studies, Women of Welcome has several Bible studies. They're all free. You can download them on our website, womenofwelcome.com slash discipleship. Just click on that discipleship tab and you can get in a connect group, Bible study groups with other women around the country um, that are engaging in these issues from a biblical perspective, first and foremost. So we have Ruth and Naomi. That one is the most popular. It's been downloaded over 120,000 times. That's Who, crazy. It is. Uh, our Who is Welcome Here film. We have a documentary film. It's 40 minutes long that follows three evangelical women who went down in, uh, across the border and and met with migrant families and started to understand how do we help the evangelical church really enter into this space well. So there's a discussion guide that goes along with that. There's a church viewing guide if you want to show that to men and women at your church. Then we have In Pursuit of Peace. It's about how to move from really being a peacekeeper to a peace 
peacemaker and what that really means and how kind of that can be complicated in making peace. You're creating something, you're restoring something. Um, but that's an important thing to do, especially in this space. And then um, our newest study is Bold and Brave, and it follows the women in Exodus 1 and 2. And it talks about the women who protected Moses and ended up saving a nation, and that is the nation of Israel. So all of those Bible studies are for free. Yeah. We'll be coming out with one this fall. It will be on Christ-like Welcome. Yeah, don't go to, don't listen to Brie. Don't go to <laughs> womenofwelcome.com slash discipleship because that link does not work. Oh, womenofwelcome.com yeah, and, and then click on discipleship. click on discipleship, yeah. right. So go to womenofwelcome.com. And our website is down, so we're having some difficulties. So just go to womenofwelcome.com, click on the discipleship tab, and there's all kinds of Bible studies and films is right there. Yes. So super, super helpful resource. And there you are, too. I see you right there. Oh, um, okay, so no, that's good. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. We're talking, and by the way, the voice you're listening to is Brie Stensrud, and she leads, uh, she's Human Dignity Advocate Director of Women of welcome, helping to equip the church to engage more consistently in human dignity issues. If you joined us uh, earlier, she used to be at Focus on the Family, uh, Master's in Biblical Theological Studies from Dallas Theological Seminary, and soon maybe a doctorate from Wheaton I mean, College. you're really selling it I am today. selling it. I know it's great. We, we haven't launched it yet, but it's coming <laughs> soon. Okay. So, um, so where did God lead the hearts of these women? What did it look? I mean, again, you've, yeah. you've made some trips, you've got resources, mm -hmm. but there's some leadership the Lord's doing in people's lives. Where? Right. And what I would say is, you know, when, when the study was commissioned, when we were just trying to find out if, if people actually still really cared about this issue and there were all these women that did and they downloaded this study and we're like, wow, okay. And no one's talking to them. Let's enter into discipling these women. Well, women started coming out of the woodwork and they were saying, man, I have compassion, but I have nowhere to go. I, I can't talk to my pastor about it. He's not preaching about it. I can't talk to my husband about it because he's inflamed politically and towing a party line. And I, there's just more nuance to be had. I'm seeing these mothers and these children at the border. And I'm thinking this is more of a humanitarian crisis than it is a security crisis. And where can I go to talk about this in a safe way? And so we've just had thousands and thousands of women say, I feel very lonely caring about immigrants and refugees. I just don't have a space. And this is a space to have that conversation. This is a space to meet other women who are on this journey too. Again, there is no political agenda at Women of Welcome. Our only agenda is to dive into the whole of scripture to understand what is Christ's heart and then what should we do with that? And so you're really responding to the Holy Spirit's um, calling in your life. You're feeling compassion and we're here to attach confidence to that compassion. So I have the best story is my favorite story. And this is a story of Carla. I tell this pretty much everywhere I go, but I was speaking at um, Dallas. I was DBU. Dallas Baptist, Baptist yeah. University. Yeah. And I was speaking there with Jenny Yang about this issue. And Jenny Yang's amazing. And we love Jenny Yang at World Relief. And a woman came up to us after we were done talking and she said, my name is Carla and I just want you to know that I'm so, I've watched the Who is Welcome Here documentary and my heart has been lit on fire and I never knew that I could be this passionate about something. I said, oh my goodness, I'm so glad. Tell us about that. And she said, well, I wanted to go on one of your trips, but one of your trips closed up. So when we open up trips again, you'll see that if you follow us on Facebook or Instagram, you can um, sign up for a trip, apply to go on a trip with us. And she said, one of your trips filled up and I just couldn't wait. So I just went down to ask couple friends to go down and we went down to the border ourselves. <laughs> I was like, you did? Wow, she was, she's an older woman. She's my yeah. mom's age. She's, she's a conservative woman in Texas. She said, I just went down there myself. And she's like, and I was so moved. My heart was just filled with grief. And I said, I've got to go back and tell everyone that I know that these, these people need us. And this is, there's a place for the church in this. So mm -hmm. she 
watched everything that we had. We had a plethora of videos. She downloaded every study we had. She started taking things to her pastor and equipping him with, <laughs> with sermon notes from the evangelical immigration table and from world relief. And she just said, my heart's on fire. And I'm so glad that I'm not alone. I feel very alone. I feel like relationships have been fractured because I've entered into this space and people don't understand why I'm have started to care hmm. about these vulnerable populations of immigrants and refugees. And I just can't deny what the Holy spirit is doing inside me. And so, I mean, there are thousands of women like Carla who have felt very alone yeah. and didn't have anyone to talk to even just in their own family. Yeah. But when Christ compels you to do something, I mean, Sheila Walsh is kind of famous for saying this, but she, you know, the love of Christ will compel you to do things that others won't understand. You should do it anyway. Yeah. And that's, I wholeheartedly yeah. believe that. Sheila Walsh, you got all kinds of, you're just dropping names that's here. Well, I, I mean, like it. There's just so many so, good people. That I knew so Sheila young. Walsh when she was a singer. Oh. You knew her when she was a news broadcaster or something. Is that when I knew? I, well, I knew her when I worked you're, for Women of Faith. Okay. You're just, you're such a youngster. But anyway, <laughs> this is what happens. I start to talk about like an old man. Okay. So, um, uh, so, so help. Let me, let me invite people to, uh, cause I want to talk about the crisis at the border. Sure. There really is a crisis at yeah. the border. And we want to talk about that, but we're going to invite your calls. 877-548-3 Again, to give you one more chance, I want to call in 877-548-3675. Okay, so the crisis at the border, uh, you said earlier, it is not a national security crisis, but it is a humanitarian crisis. Yes. And uh, we saw a change in the way, uh, now Now there's often like a staging area now on, on the Mexican side of the border. Um, and we see people coming up from the Northern Triangle. Uh, we, we see people who are fleeing from violence and uh you know, narco violence is, is everywhere in Central and South America. Um, and we see people trying to make a better life for themselves. Some people coming legally, some people coming illegally. There's been two Category 4 hurricanes yep. down in the Northern Triangle. So farming has been completely wiped out in that area yep. as well. So you're definitely look, having people coming up from that region who are looking for safety and opportunity. So how would we, I mean, it's a crisis. Is it our crisis? Because we're Americans, it's, it's, I don't, it doesn't immediately come to our crisis. So how is it our crisis? Yeah, this is a question that comes up a lot. And um, it kind of goes back to this undercurrent that we've all kind of been hearing about, about America first, yeah. America first. And um, there's two ways to kind of think about meeting the needs of vulnerable people. And a lot of people will say, you know, entering into this space of immigrants and refugees, we have a lot of our own issues. I mean, there's homeless U.S. veterans. There's kids who are in poverty and not getting lunch unless they go to school. And, and so you start to name all of these kind of needs in the U.S. And what I would say is, of course, we are obligated and should care about those who are in close proximity to us. And a nation does have an obligation to care about those. But that is that is more of an empire mindset. If we're coming at this from a kingdom mindset, there, there really are no borders on Christ's compassion to vulnerable people. So, yes, you know, from an empire mindset, we should be doing our due diligence to take care of what we can at home. But from a kingdom mindset, you are freed up to enter into spaces where anybody is vulnerable. Anybody is in need. Christ, there's nowhere in the Bible that says America first. I mean, I know that might be a controversial statement, but mm -hmm. th there is nowhere. I, I, I doubt when we get to heaven, Jesus is going to have an American flag at the gate <laughs> and say, Americans first. Um, and so th I think that can be controversial. But from a biblical perspective, thinking about this with a kingdom mindset really frees us up to enter into any place that we see that mm -hmm. a need is there. So humanitarian crisis at the border. I think a couple things. One, it's important to know that not everybody should be allowed into the U.S. There are valid safety concerns. And so we should be advocating for security. Secure 
borders. We should also be advocating for the humane treatment of people who are coming to us who are vulnerable and in need. Um, like you said, most of the immigrants that are coming up right now are coming up from Central America, which has been devastated by hurricanes, natural disasters, which has been devastated by corruption and violence. And so what you have is you have a lot of self-identified Christians that are coming from these regions, and they are saying they're they're following the biblical mandate of caring for their, their children. I mean, if you're looking in the New Testament, someone who does not take care of their own is worse than an unbeliever. I mean, that's a, that's a biblical statement as well. So you have these families that are coming back up and saying, okay, I can't survive. I can't feed my family. I can't get a job. I can't have an ethical job. But there's opportunity in the U.S. And most of the people that are coming to the U.S. already have family members that are in the U.S. So they're presenting at the border and they're they're actually presenting themselves to the most thorough vetting process in the entire world and saying, vet my story, see if I have a credible fear. And so when, you, when you're doing that, you're not trying to evade right. anybody. Now, of course, there are people who are trying to cross illegally, and those, those people should um, be apprehended and dealt with. But in order to actually seek asylum, which the vast majority of these Central Americans are trying to do, you have to cross a border illegally to legally seek asylum. And in which case we do have an obligation, even a legal and international obligation to follow our own laws to allow people to seek asylum. Good. We're going to continue our conversation with your calls as well. Last chance to get on the line. We're going to go right to the calls. 877-548-3675. We're talking to Bree Stensrud about immigrants, refugees, and women of welcome. We'll be right back. We are back and hoping to go to calls in Cleveland, Ohio, and then Cleveland, Tennessee. Did you know there are two Clevelands? Let's jump in. Liz, you are live from Cleveland, Ohio. You're live on the air. Go ahead with your question or your comment. Oh, hi. Good afternoon. I just wanted to say I'm, I was so excited to hear you talk today because um, as a Christian woman, I am getting my graduate degree in social work and I'm changing careers. And one of the things that I just really stands out to me is the need for us to understand in the church that helping the vulnerable population is not a political, it's not something that we need to look at is in as far as if you're a Democrat, Republican, how you vote. Because I sit in class with people who are so much different in thought than me, have been raised differently. Some of them don't believe in Christ. You know, it's very academic and um you know, secular environment, but here's what we have in common. Um, It's the message of Christ, and they don't necessarily realize it, but it's like Christ says, love one another and serve others. So I just wanted to say I'm so supportive of this show today, and it breaks my heart that so many Christians are divided on how to vote because of abortion. You know, I'm very much pro-life, but um, I, I just wanted to say thank you so much for sharing this and if we could just communicate it to, you know get it the message out and also i would be interested in you know somehow you know joining and working with you as far as um you know helping the vulnerable population immigrants and i'm in cleveland so um but that's all i had to had to add that's a great that's a great thing to add liz thank you for your call and if you go to we did get the website now working go to edstetzerlive.com and you'll find the link to Women of Welcome, lots of other ways for you to be engaged and involved. Let's go from Cleveland, Ohio to Cleveland, Tennessee. Tom, you're live on the air. Hi, thanks for taking my call. I didn't get to tune in until a few minutes ago, so I hope this isn't a repetitive question. 
or a comment. Um, I was listening in, and and uh, your guest was talking about how we needed to help the people at the border, and uh, and I had the thought that, and I thought this for for quite a while, that the people are there now, and they're in a big mess, and so. In a way, it doesn't really matter if it's right or wrong for them to be there. They are there, and I'd like to see more uh, Christians getting involved and maybe even getting some publicity on the news about helping them. And if we can figure a way to do it without just uh, sounding like the people who say the borders need to be open. And uh, you know, I, well, I think I'm dragging this comment out a lot longer than it needs to no, be. No, no, Tom, you're doing great. You're doing, you're doing great, Tom. It's all good. Go ahead. Go. What do you think? Uh, Tom, I love what, the heart behind what you just said. You know, Jesus saw a need and he said, let's enter into it. He didn't, he didn't ask what was your, your choice that you made? What is your background? He, he just entered into the hurting space. And as Christians, uh, we are called to do the same. And there are a plethora of really great ministries and churches along the border that are doing their very best to enter into these spaces. Well, you have the Rio Grande um, Catholic Charities. You've got Abara Ministries in El Paso. There's there's a plethora that are. And so if you can connect with your church or your denomination, I know there's a lot of Baptist churches that are doing some great work along the border too. So I love your heart behind that. It's yeah. wonderful. Important stuff, important stuff. Okay, so we've only got a couple minutes left. And so... Um, one of the questions that uh, I, I think people just want to know is, okay, so how, what's the role of the church? I mean, isn't the role of the church just to disciple people, teach the Bible? What's You were church engagement and focus on the family, yeah. trying to get them involved in issues, yeah. family issues, uh, you yeah. know, pro-life causes. Um, why, why should the church be engaged in this? What's the role of the church? The role of the church should be to act like the holistic body of Christ, and that is as you have different people doing different things. So this kind of goes back to just this kind of broader narrative of engaging into human dignity issues because everyone is made in the image of God and every life has um, worth and value in his eyes. And so not everyone is called to the same space. So if you're a hand, you're supposed to be, maybe you're over here in the human trafficking space and you are working over here and maybe you care about the preborn issues. So you're working at your pregnancy medical clinic, or maybe you care very much about prison reform and ministry. And so you're over here. What the point is, is that everybody has a different function in the body. And so the body is to be caring about what else is going on? And no one is trying to slow anybody up, but as the body of Christ, we should all be moving in one movement towards hurting and vulnerable people. What that looks like more tangibly in the church is we do need discipleship from pastors in the pulpit who are willing to provide biblical application and recalibrate our hearts toward vulnerable people and to not make this a political issue. I mean, I said very on early on in the show that only 12% research suggests that only 12% of evangelicals are thinking about this particular issue mm -hmm. from a biblical perspective. They're letting policies and politics really shape their thinking about this. We need Jesus' Jesus's words to be washing over our minds and being helping us enter into this issue well. And so I think we need discipleship from the pulpit. I also think we need receptive hearts that are willing to pray and to actually be listening and caring about this in the pews. And then we do need people showing up. We need people donating. We need people reaching out beyond their comfort zones um, and doing things scared. Make a friend of fear because Jesus is wherever it is that you don't think that he is. He's there. He's mm. not just with you. He's over there too. 
Yeah, and I, I would say too, I think part of the challenge is, is that we see the biblical. I love that you put out a Bible study. The challenge is people are listening to cable news 30 hours a week, and then they're at church an hour and a half on yes. Sunday. Well, maybe an hour in some churches. I like an hour and a half church yeah. because I'm a pastor. Yeah. Um, and so, so I think that's part of the challenge is how do we shape a biblical understanding? Even at the beginning of the show, we talked about the fact, you know, you and I are not senators or con- congressmen. No. So we're not voting on border laws. What we are doing is being obedient to King Jesus, who tells us to care for the least of these. Mm-hmm. So how would you encourage people to to press through and think biblically about these issues and not to be shaped up in the cultural and the political arguments around them? Well, I think that people have to kind of also understand that there's a difference between being uh, politically partisan and entering into public policy mm-hmm. that actually affects people. And so you want to be attuned to what's going on in the political realm, but you don't want to be owned by that. You don't want to be trapped in an echo chamber that gives you certain talking points that really don't line up with scripture. Now you might think that they do, but get yourself in an uncomfortable position where you're getting in line with the scripture and you're spending time in the word. A lot of Christians aren't spending time reading the Bible and actually seeing what Christ says beyond what you know, maybe their favorite conservative pundit says. So we, I think that it's our role to start paying attention first and foremost to the words of Jesus than anyone else that we might like to listen to on our drive to our work or our drive to drop off the kids. Christ's words are the words that matter. Love it. Bree, uh, Bree, so thankful you've been on the program today. Uh, Bree Stensrud, it leads Women of Welcome, uh, Ministry of World Relief. Am I saying that right? Ministry of World Relief, or is it a separate organization? It's a project of World project Relief, the Relief. National Immigration Forum. Yes, National you're good. Thank you. <laughs> and if you go to, we got the website working, go to edstetzerlive.com. It's all linked right there. And super excited that you can connect there as well. And so thank you, Bree, for taking the time to be with us here in Colorado. So we got to be live and in person. Uh, as a matter of fact, tune in next week. We're going to talk about waiting for God's timing. I'm going to talk to another Coloradan. Coloradan, yeah. Coloradoan, uh, Heather Thompson Day about how we all have our own plans, but sometimes God's plan and timing is a little different and better. Here at today's program, again, go to edcentralive.org. All the resources are at the site as well. And Ed Central Live is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.